0: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Blute force. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to SoftWeb Radio, special operations military news and straight talk with the guys in the community.
1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to SoftWeb Radio, SoftWeb Radio on time, on target. We have a very special guest with us this afternoon, Pete Blaber, uh, who was a special mission unit commander. I guess we could say Delta Force, right? I mean, it's in your bio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. Yeah, I, I always worry about uh, personal security there, but it's in your bio, so yeah. Pete's going to join us today. Uh, he served quite a few years in Delta. We're going to talk about you know his military career. We're going to talk about his new book. The Common Sense Way, A New Way to Think About Leading and Organizing. He's written a couple of books, and we'll, we'll also mention his earlier book, The Men, The Mission, and Me, because I think it, they all kind of tie in together. But before we go any further, let's welcome Pete to the podcast. Pete, thanks for taking the time to join us this afternoon. We really appreciate it. Great to be here, Steve. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this. You, you started off in the military. Uh, what Possessed you to get down and write a book about it? Uh,
0: yeah, it's a great question, uh, and uh, I, of course, am still piecing that one together. I think uh, same thing is is everyone who who ends up or a lot of people who end up writing a book. It's uh, a combination of uh, you know your experiences driving you toward, uh, putting it on paper and memorializing it for me. Uh, I got out of the military in 2006, uh, the global war against terrorists was, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe the ebbs and flows of it, but it was obviously still ongoing in 2006 as it is today. And, um, you know, as, as I got out, I think, anyone who who's gotten out during the global war against terrorists experiences the same thing. It's kind of like, you know, you just finished a marathon and you're catching your breath and now you're thinking about the race and trying to learn from it. And, you know, when I get out, almost all my friends uh, were still in. And so obviously I was in touch with what was, going on uh, in all the different theaters, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Africa. And, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the main takeaways was we don't appear to be learning anything. Um, You know, where are these foundational lessons, Uh, not complicated, not tactical, just the simple foundational principles that uh, so many uh, great, uh, soldiers have, have learned over the past few years. And in many cases paid the ultimate sacrifice to learn. Um, and you know, it, it, it had an effect on me and, you know, I was, I had learned to write early in my career, not to write, right. I guess is the mm-hmm. quote, but, uh, I was taught in my very first, uh, Unit as a lieutenant, you know, to write things down and always carry a notebook. And I did, and I wrote everything down. You learn right away that by writing it down, you remember it uh, and you pressure test it. You learn from it, which, you know, is the main reason for writing it down. In the military, you know, combat experience only matters if you learn from it. And so, you know, I was already in that habit of writing. Things down, writing these foundational principles. And, uh, you know, I I had this great uh, experience in the military, especially in the unit, of being on just about every continent uh, and being in combat in almost every continent. Uh, And, you know, every time, every place I went, uh, every group of people I worked with there was uh, one or two lessons, big foundational lessons that I took away. And along the way, I wrote them all down and aggregated them. When we got to Afghanistan uh, in 2001, you know, it was it was probably a unique period in modern warfare and maybe in warfare in general, uh, because the way that that conflict started uh, was uh, less than 500 American special mission unit members, and that's all the special mission units, uh, along with a few government agencies, a handful of guys from a few of the government agencies, uh, were on the ground and we able to drive out, um, the entire Taliban government along with all their for- foreign fighter allies. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when we first got on the ground, uh, Because everything happened so fast and the country collapsed so fast, uh, there was no connectivity anymore to Tampa or D.C. or Bragg. Uh, The plan had been overrun by real world events and the chain of command was out of country and mostly incommunicado. And so, you know, here we were on the ground with no guidance for what we were supposed to do next uh, or how we were supposed to organize. And, you know, I found it to be an incredibly uh, valuable learning experience. And, you know, anyone who's listening right now can, can learn the same thing. Just imagine what you do uh, and how you'd organize if you had no idea or no guidance on what to do next or how to organize for it. And, the value of imagining that is we all do the same thing. We use common sense and then we do this instinctive process called developing the situation, which is what humans have been doing to uh, solve problems and make uh, complex decisions uh, since, you know, the, the dawn of our species and developing the situation is just bringing out the possibility and potential of what's going on around you. It's learning from adapting to and interacting with what's going on around you. And um, that alone that developed the situation concept uh, was, you know, a central principle we used throughout Afghanistan and a central reason we were successful in Afghanistan. Uh, One year almost uh, to the month later, uh, we found ourselves in almost the same predicament uh, outside of a country, getting ready to go into uh, another country, Iraq, uh, behind the lines with a small interagency uh, international uh, group of special mission unit operators. And for that mission, um, you know, I I had the privilege of being uh, the commander, and the mission statement I wrote out for, uh, that first infill into Iraq was to develop the situation. That was the mission statement I gave to my team. Uh, so, you know, bringing that back to, to 2006, uh, that's, that's just one example of a very simple concept, uh, that was, you know, I didn't come up with that. I should say that was taught to me by, Mm uh, you know, senior and fellow unit members. Um, and I'm sure, If you could access some World War II uh, veterans, some Korean War veterans and some Vietnam veterans, they'd all if you explain to them what developed the situation is, they'd all say, that's it. That's what we did, too. Uh, And that's one of the hallmarks of common sense. Uh, Common sense. Whenever you find out uh, what common sense is or why something's common sense, it's always an aha moment. You always end up going, of course it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> inside your brain, it's making sense, and so you know. Again, that's what drove me. It was not. Um, it was not for certainly for uh, uh, fame or fortune. You don't get any of those, and I didn't want that. Uh, I wrote that book because I felt I had a duty to write it. My first one uh, to pay something back uh, mm-hmm. to those who uh, worked uh, with me. Uh, And for me, and to future warriors uh, who'll be going through the same thing, uh, you know, in the years ahead, and that's why I wrote it. Um, And uh, you know, I felt good about it after I did it. My second one turned out kind of the same thing. I learned Mm -hmm. more in the in the ten years after I wrote the first one. I learned about the biologic and evolutionary underpinnings of common sense, and so this new book is explains what common sense is, how we make sense and how to put it into practice across all contexts of leadership
1: and life. You know, it's funny when you talk about common sense. I think if you asked anybody, you know, you meet on the street, regardless of if, if he was, you know, a special mission unit guy or just, you know, Joe the plumber, you know, uh, everyone recognizes what common sense is. We see people with common sense. we pe- see people all the time without it. But if you asked anybody, how would you define common sense?" I think you'd get a gazillion, and I'm probably not exaggerating there different answers, wouldn't you
0: yeah you're you're spot on you'd and anybody can do it. You can instead of a thousand or a hundred, you can just do ten you know ask ten people if they know what common sense is. you'll get ten, of course <laughs> I do. And ask for ten people to define common sense, and you'll get ten different answers. And the reason for that is there is no agreed upon definition for common sense. There's no. You can go online or into the dictionary. Online, I think there's ten thousand definitions. Uh, wow. Uh, and in the dictionary, you're going to get a different definition depending on what dictionary you look up. Uh, it turns out both science and philosophy have turned their back on common sense. uh, And they also have no scientific uh, definition or explanation for it. Um, But as always, uh, we the people are the ultimate governors of uh, what does and doesn't, doesn't make sense. And we know common sense is real. uh, And, That's a big part of this second book. I just explain it in very simple uh, Mm -hmm. forms, understandable to anyone. Uh, You certainly don't need any kind of science background to understand the biologic underpinnings of common sense. Uh, And it's real simple. We all make sense a common way via our five primary senses, uh, sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch and uh, that's what makes it common. The way we perceive the world, the only way we perceive the world is through our senses. Uh, And it's also why uh, we all have two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, a brain, a spinal cord, packaged inside a body, elegantly wrapped in skin. Uh, Evolution won't let us make sense any other way. And why is that important? you know, why is that more than just, uh, you know, cocktail party trivia? Because if we all make sense the same way, then we should have a language. Uh, and we should we should always fall back to that common ground uh, to explain what does or doesn't make sense and to pressure test the sense we make. And, you know, that's that's part also of what my new book, The Common Sense Way, does in it. It has what I call the language of common sense, and it's a new way to think about leading and organizing based on that biologic and evolutionary underpinnings. Uh, and it, like I said, you know, there's nothing uh, there's nothing magical about it, uh, but understanding it enables mm-hmm. you to uh, make better decisions and think better thoughts. That's metacognition. If we understand the way we think and why we think that way, we can use that knowledge to make better decisions and think better thoughts. And that's what, you know, any reader will get out of the, out of my new book, The Common Sense Way.
1: And, and this is not just for military people. This is for corporate people. And basically any walk of life, um, you know, it's, it's a better way of, you know, leading your people, because that's what, you know, corporate leaders are supposed to still be leaders the way, you know, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but there seems to be a leadership problem in this country. Hmm. And I don't know if you (laughs) want to get into that conversation, but uh, you know, it does (laughs) seem to be, we we seem to be darkly short of leaders in this country today.
0: Uh. Spot on, Steve. I think the problem, you know, it, it's pretty hard to get to the <laughs> the bottom of the problem. Uh, but if I had to, you know, if I had to uh, put my thumb on one thing right now, it would be uh, leadership. And, you know, if you think about it in terms of just classic leadership traits, uh, it's hard to find just a handful of those that are practiced by, you know, most of the people who are making these life-changing choices uh, in our country right now at all levels, Um, you know, and that's another part of, you know, of the book that I, I also felt compelled to talk about. And, you know, leadership is not some amorphous thing that you know, no one can define. Leadership is an evolutionary pattern of human behavior that emerged the first few moments, the first few members of our species breathed their first few breaths. Those first few leaders weren't kings or queens, presidents or prime ministers, sirs or ma'ams. Those first few leaders were parents, uh, you know, and those parents. Uh, our ancient ancestor parents uh, ha- had no walk in the park. Their lives were appropriately described as nasty, brutish, and short. They lived their life in the moment because every moment pre- presented a survival choice. Uh, they either found something to eat and for heat, or they starved, froze, and were eaten by something else. Uh, you know, for our ancient ancestor parents, their purpose drove everything they did and their purpose was to ensure that both they and their offspring survived, thrived, and evolved. And that is why our nervous system evolved the way it did. Its purpose is to help us survive, thrive, and evolve as a species. Uh, and one of the things people ask, you know, again, back to that, what is leadership? Well, our ancient parents knew what leadership was. Leadership was taking care of their people. That's the only way they could accomplish their purpose was to, which it was to ensure they and their offspring survived, thrived and evolved. So, you know, taking care of your people again is not just some platitude or some philosophic thing that's up for debate when we talk about leadership. It's the purpose of leadership. The purpose of leadership is to take care of your people, not rule them. So, if you take that simple principle and apply it today, it's almost as if, you know, let's just talk in our federal government today, uh, every one of those leaders should be required to take that oath. They should almost have to go through a, a course before they begin their (laughs) job as congressman, a senator, the head of the Department of Defense, the head of the CIA, the head of the FBI, the president, the vice president, every one of them should have to take a common sense leadership course. I'm not talking about, for me, I'm talking about basic common sense. And they should have to recite that oath because it's very obvious that it's, you know, as far out of their, uh, awareness and their, you know, foundational principles as it can get right now. And we, we, the people need to do something about that to change it.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that leads me into a question. And it's kind of open-ended maybe, but how do we make that an important, I guess, uh, uh, part of our society again, because it seems like, you know, maybe I'm looking at things through rose-colored glasses, but, it, you know, I look back to my my parents' generation, and there was so many great leaders, both politically, militarily, you know, civically. I think it's, I think people, you know, they – I'm getting off on a tangent here, but – You know, I I look back at my own uh, career as a journalist and, you know, I worked for a couple of newspapers. And one of my newspapers said to me, besides covering the things that I I got hired to do, they said, you're going to have to cover local town politics. And at first I didn't want to do it. And, you know, then I got into it. I started covering it and then talking with the town manager one evening afterwards, we got into that, and he said, "You know, the ninety-nine percent of the people could care less about local town politics, but this is what drives ninety-nine mm-hmm. percent of their their lives, and we need yeah. better leaders at the local level, not just up at the you know national level, but at locally because this is what drives us." And I know I get off on a tangent there, but how do we make leadership important again? Well, I- it's first. The question needs to
0: continually be asked. So I applaud you for for bringing it to the forefront. Everyone needs to ask that question. Think about it. Um, you know, part of it is just uh, so we have to stop some of the almost anti leadership rhetoric that goes on now. Um, you know, just think about because you were in the military you know, pretty much same time I was, you understand this. Uh, You know, the military is at its best a sprawling leadership academy. And, you know, after a couple of years of attendance, you've seen and heard about the importance of taking care of your people and doing the right thing so many times that it sticks with you for the rest of your life. Uh, But hearing and reading it on banners in the auditorium, in the hallway, only goes so far. To learn how to apply it, you have to see it in action. You have to have models, uh, common sense leadership models uh, that you can pivot off of. And I talk about that in uh, chapter seven of my new book. You know, I was very fortunate in the first part of my career to work for just an amazing Uh, group of leaders at all levels. And, you know, my, everything from my squad leaders, my platoon sergeant, my first sergeant, my sergeant majors, my company commander, my battalion commanders, these, I was just incredibly fortunate. And I'm, I'm saying that in retrospect, I did not know it at the time, you know, I came in and because my first couple of units had such amazing leaders, It set a high standard for me for the rest of my career. But more than that, and, you know, of relevance to your question of how we make it, how we get it back front and center, the lessons I took away, the model for leading I took away from those amazing officers and NCOs would stay with me for the rest of my life. It was foundational. It was everything I led from then on was built on the foundation I learned from those great leaders early in my career. And that includes in the corporate world, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my big takeaway in the corporate world is the same takeaway you get in the military from having the benefit of working on all these different continents, all these different countries, all these different cultures. Uh, And what is that takeaway? That's the same for military as corporate or from going military to corporate, it's that we're all the same. It's that people are people. That old adage is as true today as it was for our ancient ancestor parents. Uh, We are all the same. And we now know that as a fact. Uh, The Human Genome Project in, in the year 2000 validated and proved empirically that Our genome, that's your individual makeup of genes, is 99.5% the same among all humans. Uh, There is no, as an example, there's no genetic basis of nationality, religion, or race. Those are just surface features and man-made-up cultural uh, features that differentiate us. But what connects us in the common ground upon which we all stand is our 99.5% the same DNA. Uh, And, you know, geneticists will tell you, if you brought together 500 geneticists, they'd tell you the same thing, that we're all the same. There is no genetic basis for any race, religion, or nationality. Um, And, you know... We know that. We can see it. We've known it all the, all along. And in today's amazing interconnected global society, we can see it right in front of us in real time. And, um, you know, those geneticists, if you ask them, well, why do people have such different appearances, skin, uh, eye shape, head shape, uh, you know, size, uh, forehead, all the different things? They tell you those are all just what they refer to as surface features Uh, and surface features that evolved based on the human body's amazing ability to adapt to different circumstances, which you can explain as an example. You can explain skin color that way. It's a pigmentation thing. You know, we have to have vitamin D from the skin. You'll die without vitamin D. So when you're in a place with a lot of sun, uh, there's no problem getting vitamin D. So now your skin has to actually block some of that sun in order to keep you from getting skin cancers and other ailments. And so you'll get darker in a place uh, that always has sun. If you go to a place that rarely has sun, like Europe, over time, the body adapts and our skin is the first thing it starts lightening up so that the vitamin D can sink into that subdermal level and feed our system as the life-saving vitamin that it is. Uh, so, you know, again, we've known that all along. We've known we're all the same. Uh, anybody who, who has friends with people of different nationalities, different religions, whatever knows that intuitively, but now we can see it. We can see it in a couple of generations, uh, you know, of, of people who intermarry between ethnicities. It only takes about two generations for any ethnicity, whether, you know, it's skin color, eye shape, you name it, to just disappear and get lost in the genetic makeup of, you know, those two generations. Um, and again, when you look at that person, you know, two generations later, the, the child or the children they produce, you ask, you know, what, what race, religion, nationality is that child? Um, and it, it reinforces that we're all the same. Uh, we are one species. And it's incredibly important to remember that right now because we have people who, you know, for whatever reasons are trying to divide us and we can never let them divide us. We can never let them delude us into thinking that we're different. We're not, we're all the same. And again, you know, it, the irony of this is, uh, you know, military have known this and known it before anybody else uh, for many, many years. And we've known it because it's common sense. Now we know it biologically as, as a fact.
1: Yeah, and uh, with that, we're going to take a, a, a short pause here for a second. We're talking with Pete Blaber, uh, former Delta Force commander who's written the book, The Common Sense Way, A New Way to Think About Leading and Organizing. And I have to read a, a quick statement from SoftRep here for a second. Soft Rep will be giving away a top-of-the-line smartphone as part of their third-quarter sweepstakes running from July 1st to September 30th. If you're a member of SoftRep, use the link to tell friends and family about SoftRep, and you'll earn points for every referral that becomes a member. The winner will either get the choice of an iPhone 12, uh, 128 gig, or a Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra 5G, 5G, 128 gig. Anyone who becomes a member is automatically entered in our new member sweepstakes with a chance to win an Emerson commander knife or a surefire led flashlight. So folks make sure you uh, refer your friends to softrep.com. Now we'll go back to the podcast with Pete, Pete, um, you know, you spent time. I, I know, uh, I've, I've read a little bit about your background, your first, uh, uh, military assignment was up on the DMZ in Korea, and then you spent time in the 75th Ranger Regiment before moving on to Delta. Uh, is there anything in your experience, particularly, that made it easier for you to be successful to lead either in the military or corporate world?
0: Um, or was it all? Yeah, you I think, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was all above. I think again, common sense. Um, I'm very, very fortunate as I as I mentioned to have worked for great leaders. They were common sense leaders, uh, and then you know to get to the unit at this formidable point in my career, and I got there in 1991. Uh, spent 13 years there. Uh, everything in the unit was about common sense. So you know, senior. Uh, the senior operators uh, would tell you, just use common sense. Uh, you know, the last word or guidance you got going out the door was, you know was common sense. Uh, whether just pure use common sense or keep your head up and eyes open. Uh, you know it was all about common sense. And the unique thing about that was, you know back then even I didn't have a definition for common sense. Uh, no one ever told me what it was, you, you know, you and I already talked about the 10 people, 10 different ideas of yeah. what it is. Um, but even without the definition, I knew what it was. The definition was incredibly important. The understanding of its biologic and evolutionary underpinnings were incredibly important because one of the things I think that trips people up, uh, about referencing common sense is You know, think of whether in the corporate world or military, you're in a debate or you know, a brainstorming session about what to do next. Uh, When you try to say that doesn't make sense or let's use common sense, it doesn't hold any water because there's no definition of what doesn't make sense or what common sense is. So Once you understand its basis, its biologic basis, how it's how our entire nervous system is hardwired Mm -hmm. to interpret the world, it becomes easier uh, to validate it as a principle uh, to either uh, support or, uh, you know, show or go against a particular course of action, because You know, a unique thing about the fact that we all make sense a common way is that we also recognize senselessness a common way. (laughs) And that's why you can go on to almost any military or corporate blog site and really see the same things, people complaining about the same things and really talking about problems, the same problems, with just different haircuts and different outfits on them. Uh, So, you know, we all make sense a common way and we all recognize senselessness a common way. And, you know, again, to me, that's why it's so important to uh, recognize common sense and to recognize it's both the common ground and common language upon which our species
1: stands. Yeah, I was reading some of the excerpts from your book, and one that, that stood out to me it was actually something that w- I think we've all been taught the opposite, and that's behavior controls thoughts and rather than, you know, uh, I think we've all been taught, oh, your thoughts control your behavior, but it's actually the opposite, isn't it?
0: It is, Steve, and uh, for, you know, again, back to wish – I knew what I know now. Back then, and oh yeah, <laughs> you know, for all of our first responder listeners, uh, it's just as important in life or death situations as it is in everyday situations. Decisions we make with our family, problems we solve at work, uh, and it's understanding how our brain works in a very general way. Uh, you know, everyone's heard of left brain, right brain, all that stuff hard to take anything away from that or to apply it. But there's another way to understand the brain and that's called the triune brain model. That's that we actually have three brains in our head. Uh, And if you think of a model of the brain, it looks a little like a fist. This part on top is the neocortex, our thinking brain. That's That's the wrinkled thing. In the middle is our emotional brain. It it governs all of our, especially social emotions, uh, which, you know, are <clears throat> on the gamut from love to embarrassment uh, to confidence to shame. Uh, all those emotions and fear come from the emotional part of our brain. And then the bottom, the brain brainstem is our reptilian brain. And that's our most ancient brain, uh, the part of the brain that developed when our, before our species developed when we were reptiles, <laughs> and that's why we share it. That's our cold-blooded brain. It monitors all of our uh, our systems. Uh, so our breathing is unconsciously governed by it. Our heart rate is unconsciously governed by it, which is why, um, why the reptilian brain is the first part of our brain to react. Uh, it does not understand language. It only understands uh, visual and auditory experiences. So it's the part of our brain that is there to snap you into fight or flight when something bad happens. Unfortunately, uh, you know, our brain, human, the human species is somewhere between three and four million years old. Human species, not homo sapien. Uh, we came at the very end and over that time period for 99.99 infinity of the time, we were hunter gatherers and our nervous system is still calibrated for our hunter gatherer ways. What does that mean? It doesn't mean our nervous system or our emotions are irrelevant. It just means they're outdated. Um, we don't have saber tooth tigers hiding behind every rock today. Uh, you know, in, instead our lives are, our normal daily lives—it's very limited to come into a life or death survival situation. Uh, truth be told, driving our car is the only real life or death survival situation most of us have every day. Um, so that's our reptilian brain, emotional brain. That neocortex—it's a—it's an amazing part of our brain. And you know, I, I gave you the hand model. It's important because think of the arm like the spinal cord. The that's the main pipe that sends mm-hmm. all of our uh, all of our sensory experiences up to our brain. Uh, so it's important to see it this way because you can see it's a bottom up uh, sensory delivery system. And what happens is the first earliest part of our brain to get any sensory information is that reptilian brain followed by the emotional, followed about a quarter second later by our neocortex, our thinking brain. So our first instinctive reaction to any type of external stimulus is always emotional, non-contextual and instinctive. Uh, So a, a good example of that is road rage. You know, we're angry before we even know what made us angry. And that's, again, our reptilian brain kicking in fight or flight wise. It Its only purpose is to detect threats, is to keep us safe. So anything that can be interpreted as danger, your, your uh, reptilian brain is going to kick you into a fight or flight state. Um, and the only way you're going to turn that back is to take about a quarter second and learn to turn on your neocortex. And, you know, that's the part it's so important, especially to first responders and especially to anyone who's making decisions and solving problems. The Your neocortex is the only part of your brain that can understand language. It's the only part of your brain that can monitor sensory information real time. And it's the only part of your brain that can think forward. So it's incredibly important to engage your neocortex. And it's As simple to do as taking a couple of long, full, deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth, or just counting to 10 or backwards from 10. Thomas Jefferson uh, said 200 years ago when angry, count to 10, when very angry, count to 100. Uh, So, you know, humans have understood this this life hack where you can Mm -hmm. literally change the way you think about a situation. You can vanquish anger, fear, and panic. You can stay cool. You can be who you really are by simply engaging your neocortex. And, you know, again, it's so simple. All you have to do is breathe. Why, why is that? And, you know, remember when I told you initially about common sense, whenever, one of the litmus of common sense is whenever you hear the explanation for it, you go, oh, of course. Well, <laughs> yeah. breathing is that way. Is I told you that the reptilian brain controls breathing. So the only part of your brain that can take conscious control of unconscious processes is your neocortex. So the only part of your brain that can make you breathe is your neocortex. You've got to think about it to make yourself breathe. The same thing goes with smiling. A lot of people don't know this. You can put a smile on your face. And when you do that, you'll feel happy. And it's because those muscles in your face are attached to your brain and they're set up so that when they all go up in that certain formation, you feel better. You feel happiness. Uh, So these are life hacks. And for first responders, incredibly important when you feel, you know, when you feel those, uh, you know, your stomach tighten or you you feel yourself get nervous or whatever, take a few deep breaths. If you see someone going off in the equivalent of road rage in combat, screaming, uh, purple, you know, veins popping out of their forehead, saliva flying out of their mouth. All you got to do is put your hand on their shoulder and say, hey, hey, man, take a deep breath. Count to 10. And every time you do that, that person will be grateful that you did it because you just snapped them out of reptilian, non-thinking brain, inability to understand what's going on around it, and put them into thinking, all senses, scanning, monitoring real life uh, sensory information. If you want to have any chance of making a good decision, you've got to engage your neocortex. And it applies in everything you do. Uh, one of the things that was taught to me in that, in the realm of that actions, control, thoughts was if you ever really focus on something, if you ever want to really understand something, if you ever want to do it as good as you're capable of doing it, then pay attention like a cat who's looking for a mouse in a field. And it's an incredibly powerful image. It was taught to me by one of our sniper reconnaissance uh, operators. Think about a cat looking at a mouse in a field. They set themselves up. Their eyes are wide open. Their ears perk up. They're all senses 100% focused on that field. And it's kind of amazing if if you shoot with, if you ever have a chance to go to a shooting school or shoot with elite shooters, there's, there's, so many out there. Kyle Lamb is a good friend of mine. Watch their eyes when they shoot every shot, not just not just when the cameras on them. Watch their eyes. You'll see them looking through those those uh, looking at that front sight post like a cat looking for a mouse in the field. And you know it applies to everything. It it applies <laughs> to sports too. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a golfer and you want to hit the ball better, pay attention to that ball like a cat searching for a mouse in the field. And if you wanna write something, a, a paper, and you wanna write it as deeply as possible, think that mental image and then focus yourself on what you're doing that way. That's, that action for, forces you to 100% engage your senses and your thinking brain, your neocortex, allows you to make better, think better thoughts and be who you really are. You're not that screaming saliva spitting person. That's a reptilian remnant of our (laughs) case ancestors. You are the cool, calm thinking person and believe in and trust your senses is the principle to take away from that. You know, Ernst Mach in 1869 said, we know only one source of scientific fact and that's our senses. And that principle has stood the test of time and real world feedback ever since then. Every scientific hypothesis has to be able to be explained through our senses or it always ends up not making sense. Uh, So incredibly important, uh, whether it's a life or death situation or you just want to be better at what you're doing, uh, learn about Engaging your neocortex, learn about the three-part brain. And again, in my book, uh, I go through all three of them. Uh, it's very easy to remember what each one does. And uh, like I said, the, the result of conscious awareness is, is what's called metacognition. You can make better decisions and think better thoughts.
1: You know, it's funny when you were talking about you know guys in combat and getting that calming influence. It, it immediately my mind snapped back to the the miniseries Band of Brothers when they were attacking the town of Foy, and everything mm-hmm. that could possibly go wrong went wrong, and you know the unit was almost disintegrating before our eyes. And then Lieutenant Spears, who's like the calm guy comes running up and he's like I'm taking over and all of a sudden you can see everyone get focused and he ran right through the German lines got to the other side Mm. you know made coordination with the other guys and comes back and then right then the whole unit everyone got their sense of focus back and come back together yeah
0: well uh, and you're right in every all the great movies think about in platoon you know when uh they're lighting that village on fire and uh William DeFoe runs up and you know yells Barnes, what the f are you doing?" you know he's <laughs> snapping him out of it there and it's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, a modern day version we should run up to people and go, "Hey man, engage your neocortex. You're a reptile <laughs> right now." And but I really believe cuz look, it, this is another example. I've done it 3 times on combat missions. I've had uh And I learned it from my original battalion commander. He's the one who told me the most important thing you can do when talking on the radio is to speak slowly with a calm voice. No matter what's going on around you, remember that the human brain takes 90% of message from the tone and your body language, if you can see it, and only 10% from the words. So if you're a screaming, saliva spitting maniac, which I've seen on the radio in every combat zone I've been in, uh, you're not only not making sense, but you are passing on a panic-like mindset. So common sense is contagious, so is calm, and so is panic. And that's, again, back to our reptilian brain. That's the way we're hardwired. We are hardwired like a herd of deer in a field. If one deer suddenly goes stock still uh, with a rigid body, looks over and then takes off, the whole herd of deer take off. And they're doing that. It's an instinctive reaction. It's why we have what are called mirror, mirror neurons in our brain. We mirror behaviors and the real purpose is to mirror survival behaviors. Uh, so, you know, panic and senselessness are contagious. So are common sense and calm. And again, you know, leaders need to understand that. They need to practice it. Uh, and, no, and no matter how bad the situation is around you, just take a deep breath and speak calmly. And when we speak Calmly, we calm the way we feel and we calm the people around us uh, because, again, calm is contagious, uh, just like panic is.
1: Well, Pete, uh, tell our uh, listeners and readers where they can find your book, uh, how they can go about ordering it. And, uh, sure. you know, how uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that as well? Yeah. So I. Uh,
0: I have a website, peteblaber.com, linked to my Instagram page. And uh, it also has excerpts, also has hyperlinks, take you right to Amazon. The book's available, uh, both e-version and paperback. It'll be available uh, on audio version uh, sometime in the next month. Uh, But uh, just go right to Amazon or
1: Barnes & Noble, whichever your favorite is, and uh, you can find it right there. Awesome. And uh, before we let you go, I know we were talking offline a little bit. Uh, our, our readers and listeners, uh, they have a great affinity for one of your former teammates, George Hand. You guys actually served together. Geo is still uh, one of the most popular people here on softrep.com. Um, mm. Any, any uh, amusing stories you can tell our uh, <laughs> listeners about that won't break OPSEC? No. Nah, well, <laughs>
0: Not only won't break OPSEC, but we'll merge right in with the theme we're talking about in common sense. If I had to describe Geo, I'd describe him as a common sense operator and also an example of the the type of humans that that unit attracts. Uh, you know, what I what I so loved about that place is um, the you're always going to be a better person if you hang around with people who are better than you at everything you do. And, uh, you know, you need a lot of, you need an eclectic group to have that. So, you know, everybody's got their strengths and their areas they can, they can get stronger in, uh, Gio, you know, is in the category. I'd call Renaissance man, um, multi-talented guy, uh, you know, speaks five languages and there's an asterisk on those five. He's, he's one of those people that can pick up a language and internalize it in weeks. So if there's a new country, a new hotspot, he can focus on that area, that language and have at a minimum survival ability to speak it, uh, within weeks, not months. And so Gio and I, you know, all of all of our uh, working together was in low viz operations uh, where most of the time we were not in standard military garb. Um, You know, we were down South, probably the most dangerous time. And uh, this was during the drug wars of the nineties going after uh, cartel kingpins and geo was absolutely uh, essential to the successes, the amazing successes we had down there. And this was not a mission that, um, you know, that anyone in their right mind would volunteer for. Not only was it extremely dangerous uh, geo, and you can ask him about this, probably lived in is an austere of environment for as long of a period as he could ever have imagined during that time. And, you know, I bring that up because that's the sacrifices, the behind the scenes sacrifices that nobody knows about. Uh, drinking contaminated water. Your gut is always, uh, you know, between okay and not okay. Um, you're, there's no sleep. You're, you've got to hide the majority of time. Uh, totally austere environment, no food. And the food you get has to be checked, make sure it's not poisoned. Uh, really, really difficult situation. And he was a main reason we were able to come through that and accomplish our purpose. Uh, my, my more time than that I spent with him was in Bosnia. And, of course, his, uh, his capacity for languages shined again there. He picked up Serbo-Croatian uh, like that and was able to speak. We, we could go into a cafe and he could order, he could chat. And, uh, you know, people knew he wasn't from there, but they definitely didn't, you know, believe he was an American. Um, and you know, that's where I saw his common sense, his ability to think on the feet. We had some incredible micromanaging, uh, S4 generals. They were the guys running the show in Bosnia, four-star generals. For some reason, anytime a capture mission, anytime we teed one up, you know, that's when they wanted to come in and begin exercising command authority over every part of the decision. And it, it got absolutely at times surreal, uh, at how, at the details that caused missions to be derailed. Well, there was one where we had been searching for this guy uh, for about six months. And we finally had a good source who gave us good information about where he'd be at a certain time and place. And if we could confirm that, we very simply would have a assault force standing by. Uh, I won't mention how they were standing by. But if we could confirm he was at this meeting, we could go in and just grab him, get out, and uh, no collateral damage, no one hurt, uh, the ultimate in the capture operation. Well, when we got to the general, he was all up in arms about, yeah, well, this car that your recce people are going to use, this, you know, low-vis car, uh, how are we going to be able to tell where that car is? And our answer was, well, they have a SATCOM radio and they can give you a grid. He said, no, we. what if the SATCOM goes down? Well, you know we'll drive close enough to them to use line of sight radio. Yeah. What if that goes down? Uh, we just trust the guy. No, you, no, can't do this mission. So we said, well, what do we need to do it? And he said, well, you need a, uh, location tracking system on that vehicle. Now this is, uh, 1998, uh, give or take again, I'm practicing OPSEC here yeah. so there was no there were no beacons that you could slap on a car then there was no google maps in believe it or not in 98 uh there was there was nothing you could use to track or to give real-time feedback of where that person was there was no apple phone we wouldn't have been using one anyway uh so what you had to do was use what you see on a lot of police cars today. It's the triangulated, the three antennas uh, that you see on a lot of police cars. Those are position location antennas. that can either send or receive positions from other vehicles or that vehicle. So we mm-hmm. had to put that on the car. Now, a low-vis car with three antennas sticking out of the roof, is not really of his car anymore. <laughs> so we, we put him on, showed him to the general and he said, yeah, you just have to drive around like that. We said, we can't, this is, you know, Serbian territory, compromise the mission. He's not going to be there. The guy is, he was like a cat. He was always looking for suspicious, uh, clues that he needed to hightail it out of there. Well, it looked like the mission was over and, uh, remember this is out. We have, we're out by the car. Everyone's standing there. And he said, no, you gotta, you gotta have that. And we just looked at each other and I, I looked at Geo, and he turned, walked over. There was a, the equivalent of a Bosnian dumpster. We were on the <laughs> military base. Gio walked over that. And I go, what is he doing? He's slinging open the lid, pulled out this, giant cardboard box it looked like a tv you know old square tv box walked over to the vehicle put the open end down over the antennas uh had some 100 mile an hour tape taped the thing on and said how's that general and he was like <laughs> uh, well yeah it still works you can use that and of course it still worked and everybody <clears throat> in bosnia drives around with mattresses <laughs> boxes on top of their car so <laughs> you know, it, was, it was simple genius at a very critical moment, uh, but it was common sense. You know, like, how do you hide something in the open? Well, you use something that, you know, to camouflage it that blends in with everything else. And sometimes it's as simple as going to the dumpster, grabbing a cardboard box and throwing it on top of your car and taping it. And remember, Gio was the one who was going to be driving that car, so he wasn't doing it lightly. Uh, and so that, that would be how i describe him. Common sense, uh, incredibly uh, proficient in every aspect of what he did and uh, an incredible member of the whole special operations contingent because he also had, as you know, an illustrious career in uh, first group uh on water team so nothing but positive and uh you know nothing but great memories of my time with geo
1: <laughs> well that's a perfect way to put a bow on this because uh <laughs> e- everybody here you know we we love geo and he's been going through some some r- a rough patch right now but uh his book just was published so uh we want to uh congratulate him on that but uh yes uh Th- we want to thank our guests today. Thank you, sir. Pete Blaber, The Common Sense Way, a new way to think about leading and organizing. And uh, it's been really interesting to talk with you. We would love to have you back on the podcast again in the future if uh, your schedule uh, you know, uh, can work around that and but before we go, if you want to get SoftRep on your phone, download our free mobile app and get easy access to our articles, podcasts, gear reviews, all perfectly formatted to your device. Please subscribe to SoftRep.com to get access to our library of ebooks and our exclusive Team Room forums and content, all uh, are available on Apple and Android devices. Sir, thank you for taking the time with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck with the the book sales, and please join us again. Thanks, Steve. Enjoyed it. All right. For all of us here at SoftRep, thanks for listening. We'll be back with another podcast real soon.